is up you guys and welcome back to sad girl hours this is episode two i am so excited to be here with you guys again thank you to everybody who listened to the first episode i really appreciate all of the support and the kind words of everybody on the live stream especially you guys were amazing um so <laughs> um today is going to be a lot more sad girly uh, I am going to be kind of talking about just my story, like what I've been through, like my life up into this point. I feel it's important for people to kind of understand why I want to talk about certain things and maybe where that stems from. And I think if we as individuals each took the initiative to take the time to hear people's stories and where they come from and what they've been through, we would be able to relate to one another a lot more frequently. And I think it could bring about just a sense of more unity um, because we really aren't all that different. Even if you haven't experienced the exact same thing that I have, chances are like a lot of the people in my life can relate to a lot of the things I've been through in one way or another, and that's what bonds us. We we understand to an extent where we come from. So <laughs> it is going to be uh, more vulnerable, and I don't know, maybe some tears, maybe not. We'll see. Um, and I'm sure, you know, most of you have, but I've kind of always felt very misunderstood growing up. Not really by anything or anyone in particular, just generally kind of misunderstood. And it kind of seems to me, at least, that that label can still kind of follow me around sometimes, at least in my head. You know, I it was pretty frequent that I would meet people outside of high school that I didn't really know well in high school and I can't even tell you how many of them would be like damn like you were really nice like you were really cool and sweet like I thought you were gonna be the biggest bitch <laughs> and I'm just like oh yeah and I don't know if that's my Scorpio rising I don't know what that is <laughs> but um so yeah so that's that's always kind of been a thing for me um, but I mostly just want to do this, you know, for myself as well. Um, I think that this is going to be a really big catalyst in my healing. And I think in sharing our stories, we, we can all heal together. So um, there's a lot <laughs> to unpack here. So um, I don't really know how long this is going to go. I'm not really going to limit it. So I'm just going to kind of play it by how everything unfolds. Um, so if you want to take this chance to uh, kind of take a pause, uh, go get a snack, drink some water, kind of get comfy <laughs> and settle in with me because this this is going to be a ride. So my story obviously starts with my parents. Um, in my first episode, I was talking about how I record out of my dad's shop. And I want to preface all of this with saying that 
even though that is my dad, he is not biologically my dad. Um, he adopted me when I was 10 years old. We'll get into that. But um, just in case anybody is confused, um, he was not my biological father. So I was actually born. So my mom, Erica Mela, and my dad, Junior Mondragon, I was actually a product of 18 pregnancy. So my mom was 15. My dad was a little bit older than her. So I think he was about 17. And that was when they found out they were pregnant with me. So pretty young. Um, And by the time I was born, they weren't really together. So I never really knew any different um, with, you know, my parents were just never together. So I kind of didn't have to adjust to anything as far as that goes. Um, And my mom luckily had a really awesome support system with her parents, my grandparents, and my uncle. So for the first few years of my life, we all lived together down in Riverton, actually. And I was the only child and really the only grandchild for years until my mom met her first husband and gave birth to my little brother, Cade, in October of 2001. Now, during this time, uh, my dad was around, but like, it was pretty in and out, pretty inconsistent. Um, there was, you know, drug use involved. Um, and just plain and simple, um, coming from people who knew my dad, he really just was not ready to be a dad. Like, he, he just wasn't. They were so young, um, not trying to make excuses for anything, but um, he just wasn't. And I'm grateful that he at least knew better to not come around me when he was doing drugs, even though I know my mom played a part in that, obviously. Um, It did seem like it was by choice from him too, because I remember he wouldn't talk to me during those periods um, when I was old enough to text him, like things like that. Um, so he in and out of the picture. Um, and then when my mom met my brother Cade, his dad, um, uh, it didn't start out an unhealthy relationship. At least it doesn't sound like it. And because of this relationship, I have two amazing grandparents that are not blood related to me at all. It was his parents, um, my mom's husband's parents they did not have to treat me like their own grandchild but they did Um, and it was just me for a couple years before they ended up having Kate so I was the first baby girl grandchild and they spoiled me and I I love them dearly so um, you know still obviously between that and having Kate like this relationship was meant to be, um, but it did eventually turn into a very unhealthy relationship. Um, There was physical, you know, abuse involved after a point. Um, My mom had been prescribed, I believe it was Xanax, um, to help because she was just so anxious when she was pregnant with my brother, Um, but she never wanted to take them. She didn't like them, so she didn't, but Cade's dad, he he would, and he would fill the prescriptions for her to the point that she had to call the pharmacy and cut it off kind of thing, and it really caused a catalyst because eventually he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and it was a drug-induced schizophrenia because 
it started with Xanax and eventually led to heavier drugs. So um, I believe my mom and Cade's dad were only married for about a year. um, And then it was over, which I am grateful for. Um, So we left and from then on it was kind of just me my mom and my brother um and unfortunately you know to this day um my brother's dad does still struggle with drug abuse and his mental illness is worse than it's ever been and it's 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 sad you know I if anybody listening has loved ones with schizophrenia or you have schizophrenia like I my heart goes out to people with this illness it is it is the scariest thing that I have ever seen it is worse than anything and it's sad because even without the drugs even in times when he could get clean and has been clean it doesn't stop how absolutely I, I I use the word insane and I don't mean to use it in a negative way but just like it is the insanity that they have to live through it's it's put my grandfather at risk it has put my grandma's health at risk it has it has been a huge blow to that side of my family and it's Unfortunately, it's just one of those things you can only do so much with. And so my brother has had to kind of grow up without his biological father being involved, which is why we are so grateful that after a certain point, my mom was a single mother of two by the age of 21, you know, working multiple jobs. But eventually she met our dad, Junior. Hammond. So when they met, I believe it was when I think my mom was about 21, which is so crazy to think about because I'm 25. Um, so all of this happens like, bef- like before the age that I'm at now. It's insane. So my mom was set up on a date with my dad. And at first, um, she couldn't, I don't know, she was into it, but she said he was playing hard to get, and unfortunately, my dad, um, such an amazing, sensitive soul, but he had gone through a really awful marriage before he met my mom, and he was divorced, and obviously, my mom was also divorced, so they related to that, but my dad was kind of closed off, it seemed like, so played hard to get, but obviously, we're here They've built an incredible empire for themselves. So we are very, very lucky. Um, I don't really know many men that would just start dating a single mother of two at the age of 21, 22, and just decide, like, I'm going to love and take care of all of you. All of you. No questions. And... That's literally what happened, I remember. And, like, don't get it twisted at first. I, Because I was eight, eight at the time, I believe. Yeah, I think I was about eight. Because um, I was, remember he was at my eighth birthday party. Um, and when we 
this was when we ended up moving up to West Point because that's where he grew up. That's where he was from. And I remember being so pissed and not liking him at first because we had parakeets and he did not like birds and they were messy and loud, which looking back, like I, I get it. But like I couldn't take my birds. And so I was fucking pissed. <laughs> I was mad. Oh, I didn't do my disclaimer at the beginning. I am so sorry, you guys. I will definitely get better with that in the future. But this is also a good time to pause and let you guys know. If you have not thanked your mom and your dad for everything that they have done for you, please feel free to pause me. Um, shoot them a text. Let them know how important they are because, um, you know, my mom, when she was on her own, and even still, but like, a single mother of two that young like she was a warrior she never received any type of help from either of mine or Kate's fathers um and really the only help that she did have was from her family and she was doing everything by herself before my dad came into the picture um so yeah if you have not told your mom how much you love her lately definitely take the time to do so um now my dad did have I have a I don't we don't do the whole stepbrother half-brother bullshit over here as you're probably gathering we are a blended family um my dad did have a child with his first wife my brother Cole and he's actually only a month apart from Cade so They're very close to the same age, Um, so we all grew up together. And after a few years of them being together, my parents got pregnant with their first and only child together, which is our baby Landon, which he is not a baby anymore. He is about to be driving, which is so crazy to me. Um, And honestly, he, what's crazy is, so Cade was a premature baby, teeny 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 tiny like as big as my hand when he came out um and Landon had what's called it's a super rare condition but it's called Larengo seal and essentially what it was is when he was born he didn't cry would not cry like he would try but nothing would come out his face was turning blue and his feet and my mom kept telling everybody like something's not right Nobody would really listen to her. It took quite a few doctors before finally a doctor realized what he had. And what it is, is a cyst in the airways. And the cyst was bigger than his actual airways. So the fact that he was even breathing was a miracle alone. Um, But if we would have, if my mom, I should say, if my parents wouldn't have just listened to the doctors, he would have died. So, um it's and it's awesome because now he he raps and he's learning to make beats and all of that and he is killer at it. So um, just a little little love to little Landini. <laughs> um, but not too long after Landon was born, you know, this was still my dad was still in and out, <clears throat> and eventually there was a night where I believe. We were driving back from Bear Lake and I was pretending to be asleep because since I was the big sister, if Landon ever needed a bottle since I was in the back seat, 
I had to feed him and it made my arm tired. And I was only 10 years old at this point. So I was pretending to be asleep and it was late and I hear my mom's phone ring and she answers and she's almost immediately like panicked and I could tell something was wrong and she's smacking my dad, you know, telling him pull over, pull over. Um, and this may be confusing interchangeably because I'm calling both of my dad's dad, but just know if I'm ever referring to a dad that is with my mom that is junior, um, my biological dad is not with my mom. I'm sorry. I feel the need to always uh, clarify that because I feel like I've confused some people in the past with stuff. So my mom is upset. She's telling him to pull over. And I immediately, because my dad my biological dad was supposed to come get me the next day to pick me up for a movie. And I just instantly felt like whatever it was that she was crying about, whatever, whoever she was talking to on the other end, it was about my dad. And we get pulled over to a gas station. She gets out and all I remember hearing her say is, well, how am I supposed to tell her that? And just crying. So we get home and I just remember I stayed up for hours just preparing myself because I just had a feeling that my dad was gone. Um, and the next morning I wake up, ask my mom if my dad's coming to pick me up and she tells me, I have clothes laid out for you in the bathroom. Why don't you go take a bath? All of your grandparents are coming out to see you, um, and we'll talk in a little bit. So I do that. Um, Junior's parents came and got my little brothers, and by the time I was out of the bathtub, my mom's parents and my amazing grandparents that I told you about that are not biologically related to me, uh, they were there, and they sat me down and told me that my dad had died the night before and I really don't and again I was I was 10 years old um and I just remember saying how and my mom told me it was an accident and I feel like that is how it should have stayed um at the time I didn't feel very young um I felt pretty mature for my age uh but as I've gotten older and I look back on it and I see 10 year olds now I'm just like oh my god you were a baby when this happened you were a baby you were a child and with the way my dad died he was shot so obviously even as a 10 year old that's would have raised some questions but if it would have been it was an accident that's what I grew up knowing my whole life it, it it was an accident right well unfortunately my dad's side of the family very much did not want to accept what happened and I completely understand that um however they should not have involved a 10 year old in the discussions of what they thought happened um 
right after he died. I went out there, obviously, for the funeral, um, which during the funeral, because I thought I was so mature, I pretended to be asleep so that I wouldn't cry in front of my mom and my grandma and my whole family. I felt like I had to be strong for them. So I pretended to be asleep so that I could mask it, and I was supposed to go up and read a poem, and I didn't even do that. Um, So just to kind of give you an idea of how I was coping at the time, and then I'm having, you know, family members tell me that my dad was playing Russian roulette and then explaining to me what that was. And then more of the general consensus was that he was murdered because the second suicide was brought up, it was, oh, no, Jerry would never do that. Jerry would never do that. He had to have been murdered or was playing a stupid game. But honestly, the... the consensus was he was murdered so that's what I grew up my whole life believing there were people in the apartment with him when it happened um and I I was 10 you know so um this obviously caused more trauma than necessary for me and This did kind of cause me to have pretty questionable relationships, I would say. Um, As I got older, you know, I was lucky enough to still have a father figure around Junior. My my dad, he's amazing. Um, But during that time, unfortunately, he was traveling a lot for work. Um, So he was gone a lot of the time. And that's because he wanted to provide a better life for us. That has nothing to do with... um, I don't know. I don't ever hold that against him, but it just, that can cause, I feel like, especially with a young teenage girl that um, is adjusting, you know, because he did adopt me right after. He was my dad, but it took me a long time to call him dad. It took me a long time to like, I don't know. It, It was a very weird transition because I felt like if I call this person my dad and I treat this person as my dad, then that's disrespecting my biological dad who's no longer here, which obviously is not true. But as a young kid, that's kind of how I always thought. And I think because of the fact that I lost my biological dad and just the trauma around it, it just, I really craved that male affection and attention and a very specific type Um, I feel like I was a lot more vulnerable to narcissistic type people, just the boyfriends that I had. And don't get me wrong. There are some guys I've dated in the past that are awesome, like no shade, no nothing. Um, but when I was first started dating, you know, the first few boyfriends were great long-term it's fine. Um, but, um, you know, eventually once I got into high school, the type of guys I was attracting, really were only using me for that one thing, you know. And because of the way which we will get into um, eventually, 
because of the way that our sex ed system is and how taboo it is to kind of talk about sex, like, I just kind of thought that if you're in a relationship and you love someone or you care about them, that's what you do. So that really got taken advantage of a lot. Um, And eventually I ended up dating somebody my senior year. Um, I'm not going to name his name. I just don't really see the point in it. I was going to, but he knows who he is and he probably will never hear this. And if you are close to me, then you know exactly who I'm talking about. And it just is what it is now. I obviously, if you can hear my voice, I am still healing from the things that this person put me through. Um, But this was the first person that I really thought I was going to be with forever. Like, I thought we were going to get married. He got me a promise ring, like talking about moving in together after graduation, just the whole nine yards. Um, And, you know, at first when we first started dating, I remember being so flattered, like, oh, my God, this is the guy that so many girls around Syracuse are into. This is the guy that so many girls would love to be with. And he has an interest in me and is dating me like, wow, it was such a confidence booster. And I look back on that girl and I'm just like, oh, honey, oh, my goodness. If I could tell you to run, (laughs) I would tell you to run. And I know everything happens for a reason, but oh, my God. I was 17 years old when I started dating this person, and I had no idea what gaslighting was. I didn't really know what emotional abuse and manipulation was like or what it looked like. I really was only aware of the physical abuse because it really seems like a lot of times that's the only kind of abuse that people care to take interest in. And I don't say that with any shade or anything, but I think it is so important that people understand that emotional and mental abuse can be just as damaging to somebody's mental state and your psyche. It can literally change your brain. And it did. I could not do anything, anything that I wanted to do. If I wanted to hang out with my friends... He was up my ass 24-7, and if I did not text him back within a minute of him reaching out to me while I was with them, we were going to be fighting later. If I didn't let him know as soon as I got home, even if I waited until I got into my bedroom, I can't tell you how many times we were fighting because of that. Um, What I decided to wear, I couldn't wear anything. If I wanted to smoke cannabis, I was not allowed to do that. I remember getting into a blowout fight because there was this one time that he we were hanging out with other friends and he allowed me to have one hit because these two friends were like come on like let her her smoke like come on like my one friend she was like let my girl smoke like what the fuck I was allowed one hit so I go out there and we're smoking out back 
and it was super windy. Um, so when I first lit it, it blew out. So I had to light it again to take a hit and I got my hit and I immediately went inside. I didn't even stay out there with them. And as soon as I got in that house, it was rage, rage, fucking rage, just pissed. Like, how dare you disobey me and take more than one hit? You act like I didn't just see you just freaking out to the point. I remember he punched the concrete um, driveway out front, like caused a huge scene. I thought the cops were going to get called. Um Just a lot of that, a lot of one minute, like super affectionate, lovey, like treating me like I am the only person on this planet. And then just like a drop of a hat, just a flip is a switch is flipped. And I was with this person for almost two years. And towards the end, I remember we took a break and it was his call because I would have never decided that because I was too wrapped up and brainwashed, honestly. Just I was so enthralled with him that I don't think I would have ever left. So we take this break and he tells me, you need to work on yourself. You need to figure yourself out. So I literally, I remember I went home. I got super fucking drunk. I don't know where my parents were. Um, Super plastered and just decided to go to town, writing down everything I thought was wrong about me, all of my trauma, like everything I needed to fix and everything that was wrong with me and everything I was going to change. Like there was quite a few pages of this. Um, And I remember when it was time for us to, we reached out and wanted to talk because his parents were going out of town and we had originally planned for me to stay there to kind of get a feel of what it would be like to live together. Honestly, my mom knew I was going over there, like no big deal, but he invites me over and I give him this paper like of my whole soul and didn't even like acknowledge it like it was nothing it was nothing he was pissed off because I had made a comment that I wanted to get a chameleon and thought even though I had just given him this whole ass novel that oh oh, you obviously did not take this break seriously because all you have to say is you want a chameleon. What is this shit? Like, horrible. Just awful. And this was around the same time. I remember because his parents had, like, an island in their kitchen, and they had a big-ass wooden cutting board. Like, it, it was huge. And I remember... I don't know if it was during this conversation or a separate one, but it was around the same time period. And he's yelling at me, pissed, and I'm just taking it as I always do because I never, like, I would be so emotionally drained and confused and run in circles. I would just cry and turn into a mute. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't even think. So I remember standing next to the island and I had my hands on the cutting board on the table and was like leaning on the table 
and I don't remember what he said, don't remember the context, but out of nowhere, he just grabs a steak knife and slams it in the fucking cutting board, not even two inches from my hand. And then he was the one that was crying and apologizing after. And I was the one consoling him. Even that did not make me stay. He cheated on me multiple times. And the first time was the beginning of the relationship. And I so desperately wish I would have listened to everybody because everybody knew. But he was that good at making me believe that it did not happen and that I was the only one. Unfortunately, so I stayed for a long time. And eventually, the catalyst of what finally ended it, I got into a major car accident. And a few weeks after I had what I thought was my period, um, but then it lasted a lot longer, and I remember there, the day of I was supposed to work, and it I just excruciating pain. I was throwing up. I couldn't keep anything down, um, and eventually I ended up having what I didn't know was a miscarriage at my parents' house, and <laughs> this person who would have been the father of this child was so angry when I was at the hospital. Did not once ask if I was okay. Did not once show any sign of just any care for my well-being at all. He was angry that I was pregnant in the first place, just pissed and worried about if his parents would find out. And I had to beg him to come and talk to me that day about everything. And when he finally did come and we met up to talk, what he had to say was, well, if you wouldn't have lost that baby, I would have been a piece of shit. I would have fucked around on you. I would have cheated. I would have left. But I would have come back eventually because I'm not that big of a piece of shit. And I stayed. People don't understand, and I am definitely going to dedicate a whole episode to this because I've already spent way too much time on this human being than I would have liked to. Um, But emotional and mental abuse is a whole different ballgame. Mental warfare is something that changes you forever. It changed me forever as if I did not already have issues before from my dad passing away and the questions surrounding that, this just kind of added to everything. And it really pushed me into this victim mindset. I was kind of already there, but this was what really like put the nail in the coffin and I was a victim and I was okay with being that. I had kind of already put myself there, so... It was what it was. And eventually, this man did decide to leave me, thank God, because honestly, I don't know if I ever would have left. Um, You know, coming out of a toxic relationship like that at the age of 18 was one of the hardest periods of my life. 
I just remember feeling so empty. I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what I wanted for myself. I had no idea about anything. I knew nothing. I had spent almost two years being gaslit and manipulated. And I was finally free, but I didn't really know where to go from here. And around this time, I kind of had a rocky relationship with my parents during the time, which I want to preface all of this with me and my parents have an amazing relationship now. Um, I think every single family goes through stuff. And if you say that yours doesn't, you're probably full of shit. Um, But we're like my mom is my best friend. My dad is also like my best friend. They're amazing. I love spending time with them. Um, But this is just part of what's gone on. So we did have a rocky relationship. And right when I turned 18, because of this, I decided to move out. I had a friend that had a room open that really needed someone and I jumped at it and it was a horrible decision. I made horrible financial decisions. My spending habits were awful. Um, Made some amazing memories with some amazing people in that apartment. But as far as like the jumpstart to being an adult, like I had no fucking idea what I was doing. Not a clue. So after a while, because I really didn't set myself up for success for after this lease was over, I ended up moving back home with my parents. And our problems kind of kept escalating. I moved in and out quite a few times. And every time I went back, it just felt like there was a little bit more tension each time of things that just needed to be dealt with that weren't being dealt with, I would say. So eventually I ended up moving back out and at this period of time I was dating somebody else um and this person he's an awesome guy really awesome dude um he has an amazing family because I did live with him and his family we had the basement level and we even we had a dog together Dexter I love that dog more than I love that dog. I miss that dog so much. Um, But no, this guy was awesome. Uh, Nothing wrong with the relationship or him. I just think because of my issues and I never stayed single for too long, I really settled just because he seemed good on paper. Like he was good looking, athlete, did well in school, like really good job, like all the things. Um, But our personalities, like just at the end of the day, just weren't a fit. They didn't match up. But I was trying to make it fit. And during this time, I was also on birth control. Um, I can't remember. I believe it's called the Nexplanon that's in your arm. And I had gained so much weight on that birth control. And this was the time period when I really started feeling depressed. And I had never really known exactly what that feeling was like. So I didn't know how to place it when it was happening because I thought I was just being lazy because I had gained weight, you know, and even my boyfriend at the time, you know, was like, I want to go do stuff. I want to do this. I want to do that. But you just kind of want to lay here and not do anything, which mind you, I was working. I was going to school. Um, I I was still doing things with my life, but and I honestly, yeah, I just, I didn't have the energy for anything and I didn't understand what my problem was. Um, 
then eventually I, I got to a point where I realized that for one, this relationship wasn't for me. I wasn't happy. There was no passion. There was no romance. There was none of that. And I really was in a bad spot mentally. And it was really hard for me to admit that and separate because I knew that I would have to go back home (laughs) again. And I already felt like such a failure that in doing this, I I really held on to the relationship a lot longer than I would have if I would have if I wouldn't have been so scared of of failing, quote unquote. So this was really the last time that I lived with my parents. I moved back for the last time and I was becoming more and more depressed. Um, I just, I felt like I didn't know, I didn't have any sense of direction with my life. I just felt like everything that had led up until those points were decided for me. Like I, I fucking hate this song because of, which honestly my choir teacher made me hate it because she read it out loud one day. Uh, What is it? Firework by Katy Perry. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind wanting to start again? (laughs) Like I understand, like, no, I've never felt it. But honestly, yeah, I kind of, kind of felt like a plastic bag. I felt like life just kept happening to me instead of me happening to life. I don't know if that correlates with people, but I just, I was tired of things just pushing me to wherever and just kind of dealing with the after effects. And I didn't know what steps I wanted to take for myself. And I was becoming, I don't want to use the word suicidal. And this is another thing we will probably talk about in the future. But there is this gray area for people who are in a way suicidal. But instead of having suicidal thoughts or tendencies or self-harm, they simply just don't want to exist anymore. They don't want to die. They just don't want to be here anymore. And... Because this was how I was feeling, I didn't think that my feelings were valid because I wasn't self-harming and because I wasn't at this moment in time saying I wanted to kill myself. I didn't think that there was anything wrong, but eventually things did get worse. Um, Things just weren't great with my parents, unfortunately, and leaving that relationship and feeling just like a shell I didn't know what to do and I remember driving up Ogden Canyon and then I went up through Eden and I can't remember what ski resort it is I want to say it's Powder Mountain maybe I'm not sure but a ski resort that's up there um that used to be like one of my favorite things is driving up that canyon. And one day I was having a particularly hard day and I drove up to the ski lodge and during the summer, it's just this like dirt uh, parking lot and there's this really steep, really far drop off like this cliff right next to it. And I parked there and I remember I was just sobbing 
a thought came into my head that it would be so easy to just end it. Put the car in drive, put your foot on the gas pedal, and it's over. And I had never had thoughts like this, so, like, initially I kind of was freaked out. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but this was my first time having intrusive thoughts like this. And that wasn't really me, so I, thank God, was trying to calm down and... I decided to put on a San Holo mix, his EDC 2016 set, I want to say. And I can't even tell you, that's why I have his lyrics tattooed on me, because it grounded me so quick, and I truly believe got me through the rest of my drive when I went back down the canyon, because it completely eradicated all the negativity and just put me in this state of mindfulness, of being present. And it really put me in a different type of space to where I was okay again. And then right after that, I was listening to Elenium, <laughs> which has been a huge part of my healing um, a lot of Elenium's albums have gotten me through my rough patches with my parents um, because during this time, this was when I first started getting into the rave scene. Um, and obviously there are a lot of stigmas around raving. If you are someone who does not go to EDM festivals, um, you probably think that it's just a bunch of losers doing drugs and that they don't do anything with their life because that's normally the genuine or general consensus with that. Um, and so they kind of had their doubts about what I was doing and why I was going to these shows. And that caused even more of a riff kind of. And I eventually moved out of my parents' house for the very last time. And <laughs> I had no plan. I had no plan. I had nowhere to go. I just know that I needed to go. And it was the best thing, I think, that happened to us. As horrible as that time period was and everything that happened, I think we all needed that space to really see things in different perspectives. Um, but it was genuinely the hardest time of my life. And I would never want to go through it again, ever. Um I ended up moving in to this girl named Julia's house. I had met her at teleperformance, barely knew her. Was just going to be, she had a room for me, but it was occupied with some of her sister's stuff. So I couch surfed there for a while. Um, this was around the time that I first started experimenting with LSD. And really what caused me to do it is such a it's just such a weird chain of events because I remember asking one of my friend's roommates like we were friends I guess I haven't talked to this kid a long time but I just told him everything that was going on in my life and that I felt so lost and I didn't know what to do I had no idea who I was I knew nothing as I've said a million times I was just lost he was like you know what you should try some psychedelics I was just like I've never really thought of that before. Like, acid sounds scary. Mushrooms are like, okay, but, like, acid sounds scary. And he was like, honestly, it's great. You should try it. And so I did. 
I did. And my first time doing LSD was with this Julia girl. Um, and I am going to absolutely do a full episode diving into that experience because it was insanity. Um, but long story short, I was definitely shown that she was not the person I thought she was. And I should have moved out of her house a lot sooner than I did. Um, but this was also during the time that I met one of my last relationships that was not a great one, but this person introduced me to all of the amazing friends that I still have in my life, even going on almost four years. Um, so I still wasn't talking to my parents. I was kind of in this new place. I was learning so much. I was exploring a new type of life and it was a really long growing period but it was also I remember that time period being so I don't know just healing healing full of growth and really learning a lot about who I actually was what I actually stood for what I actually wanted out of my life and it was DOS Energy 2016. It was that year that I realized, because music has always been a passion for me. I did vocal and guitar lessons growing up. Um, I danced for almost 10 years. Like Music has always been a huge part of who I am. My biological dad is a DJ. My parents are huge music lovers. Um, junior he he could go on American Idol and crush it like he super super music musically inclined family um so but I never really felt like I fit in with any of the genres like when I was younger and I thought about the kind of music I wanted to make and everything nothing just really fit until I discovered EDM and I remember watching Slushy and Hero Bust at DOS Energy and I immediately was like, that, that is what I want to do. I want to make people feel like this. I want to rage like this. Like I immediately fell in love with it. It felt like the missing piece to everything I'd been looking for. And I found that within the community and all of the amazing friends I've met because of raving. <laughs> I'm going to have a whole history lesson for you guys about the... EDM community and I'm so excited for that but for now I will leave it with that um so it, it it was about a year before my parents and I connected again but when we did it that was also a huge time of healing and now they're so so supportive in the fact that I DJ um they went to a show that I did over the summer at Sky super small thing um but yeah super supportive and have been really amazing about it since. And they've come to actually a couple shows with me. So that has been really awesome transformation to see. But throughout all of this, I was still very much healing from my dad passing away. Um, at this point, you know, I'm what? During this time period, I may be like 23 um, and I decided to get the medical examiner's report because I was so tired of not knowing for sure what happened. And every time I would ask my dad's side of the family about stuff, just kind of getting 
more runarounds and I, I was just tired of it. It had been such a huge part of my life for so long, like such a huge focal point in my subconscious mind. I wanted to just know the truth and just move on. I was tired of questioning. And so I did distance myself from my dad's side of the family a lot during this time, especially because I was looking at the situation in such a different way because as I was changing, the way I viewed the traumas in my life changed. And I realized how wrong it was to involve a 10-year-old in certain conversations and that if I hadn't been involved in certain things that I wouldn't have as much trauma as I do. And when... I read the medical examiner's report. It said that he killed himself. And it gave me the information of the two people that were in the apartment with him. And it was hard reading word for word, all of it. Like, it, it was a lot. And... I wouldn't have had to do that if things would have been handled differently. But because I had more pieces to the puzzle, I decided to reach out to the people that were in the apartment with him. And both of them said the exact same thing. Um, you know, he just kind of... So let me give you some background. My dad was supposed to be moving out of his apartment and the people that were in his apartment were his best friend and his best friend's girlfriend at the time. They had just found out that they were pregnant. So they were going over to not only help him move, but also tell him the good news about the baby. And when they were over there, they said that he was in fine spirits. His friend and my dad were making beats. They were rapping, having a good time, drinking some beers. Like, not an issue. Um, from what I was told by the woman that was there, there was no drugs happening. Um, or there was no drugs around because there was cocaine and, I believe, cannabis in my dad's system that was listed in the medical examiner's report. So they had no idea that anything was even going on. Um, and at one point, my dad goes to go back into his bedroom, um, kind of shut the door behind him a little bit, was only back there for a few minutes. And when he came back out, he had a gun in his hand. And he starts walking down the hall, and his friend was like, Jerry, why do you have that? What are you doing? And this was his friend's words. He walked up to him, looked him dead in the eye with a calmness as if he was saying, it's okay. And then he killed himself in front of both of them. And it completely changed both of those people for the rest of their lives. I know for a fact that that woman, she told me she thinks about it every day. Um, the man that was there was one of my dad's really good friends and they both DJed together. They rapped together. Like they, they had dreams that they wanted to accomplish together. Um, and then he was just gone and, you know, I'm just barely learning all of this. And the craziest part about it is 
my dad's dad, his, my grandpa, my grandpa Mondragon, he killed himself when my dad was only three years old, I believe. And growing up, my dad was always told that it was an accident. Or I be- maybe it was, I think he may have been told that he got sick and just died. Which I understand as a small child, yeah, you don't want to, obviously, because I went through the same thing. You don't want to tell a small child that their parent committed suicide. But sh- my grandma did not tell him about it even once he got into his teenage years. And eventually he found out on his own when he was 15 years old and pretty much every single person I've talked to that knows my dad will has told me that this was a turning point for him with his mental health with his substance abuse this changed him being lied to and then finding out that his dad actually killed himself was really really hard for him And then he eventually ended up killing himself. And then me, his offspring, almost killed herself. There is a cycle of mental health that has gone completely unchecked on my dad's side of the family, but it is ending with me. I do believe that there are some something I do believe that there's some sort of mental illness that has contributed to this because I just don't believe that three generations can struggle with depression and struggle with things like this without there being something um and you know that side of my family is catholic catholics don't believe that if you take your own life that you will go to heaven so that is my belief as to why that was never an option why it wasn't accepted, and why I had to live my whole life questioning what actually happened. So that is a really big chunk of my story, and it is a chapter that I'm so happy that I'm finally closing. I just barely got the last little bits and pieces of all of this within this past year, So it has been a lot to kind of deal with and come to terms with, but it is also really amazing to finally be in a place where I know what happened and I can move forward and I can heal without the questions and the conspiracies or anything like that. And now I... I'm in such a good place in so many different ways. Um, I do still struggle with my mental health pretty frequently, but luckily I have an amazing support system. I have an amazing boyfriend, um, Logan, who I met at DOS Energy 2018, and he has been just a huge support and light in my life along with his family, the, his friends that have turned into my friends, my family. I just, I'm, I'm in such a different place and I'm so excited to finally step out of myself as a trauma victim. And I'm really excited to just look forward and no longer look backwards 
that's really the biggest thing with this podcast too. Like I just, I want to try something different. I want to start a new chapter of my life that is fun and interesting. And this on top of the music producing, like I just really want to pursue things that make me happy. Because that's all I've ever wanted in life is to just do the things I love with the people I love and thrive through all of it. And I know this was a lot and probably really confusing (laughs) to some of you. Um, I really think that this was good for me. To those of you who listened for my sake of healing, I really appreciate you. Honestly, this is a really watered down version of a lot of things that have gone on. But I think my life really highlights a lot of the things that I'm passionate about what I want to talk about women's rights like I don't necessarily call myself a eh, no I'm a a feminist I'm a I'm just a woman's woman I am all about that I am all about education on abusive relationships what that looks like so that women know the red flags ahead of time I'm very much about learning about mental illnesses and being aware of substance abuse and trying to get rid of these stigmas. The more we talk about these things, the closer we can get to finding at least some solutions, right? If we if we can have more people talking about the things that truly matter, we can do anything. So I'm really excited (laughs) to be done with this episode actually um it was pretty heavy uh again sad girl hours however um I'm really excited for the next one I have my amazing friend Shelby and I coming onto the podcast her and I are going to record a couple sessions so I won't spoil the topic because we have some options um but definitely look out for that episode If you enjoy the podcast so far, I know this has been super duper sad, girl. We're just in the beginning stages, so we are going to be talking about a lot of different things. I'm going to do like random true crime episodes. I'm going to do a ducking high episode um, where I play a card game with a friend that's for cannabis lovers and just gonna laugh and have a good time like it's not gonna be all sad girl all the time but um it is gonna be a nice little safe space to talk about literally anything and everything so if you guys have a specific topic that you really think should be talked about more please feel free to shoot me an email serena siren 14 at gmail.com that's s-e-r-i-n-a-s-i-r en14 at gmail.com thank you guys again so so much please do not forget to rate and subscribe follow on whatever platform that you are listening to us on please feel free to leave me a comment of just anything literally anything if this if this helped you if this resonated with you please please reach out because i would love to hear it if there's anything you'd want me to read on the show I'm open for literally anything and everything, you guys. So with that being said, I want everybody to take some deep breaths with me. We're going to do three.
All right, are you ready? You looking real fucking tense right now, bitch. You want to unclench that jaw a little bit? Have you been hydrating? I don't fucking believe you. Let's take a deep breath in the nose, out the mouth, shall we? More breathing. Very nice. Repeat after me, please. I am capable. I am capable. I am enough. I am enough. I'm a bad bitch. I'm a bad bitch. Another deep breath, please. And it cuts off right there, so we're going to do it one more time, but with enthusiasm. You guys remember if you listened to the first episode. I am capable. I am enough. I'm a bad bitch. Whether you are listening to this morning, afternoon, or evening, go fuck your day up. I hope you guys have an amazing whatever it is. Remember that there is always another day, and I appreciate you guys listening. 